Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good evening and welcome to the History of Germany podcast. This is the first episode of a special project. Judith has come to save the day and the show, and I hope you like the series of shows we're calling Heirlooms from the History of Germany. And the first one about Siegestor, the Victory Gate, a triumphal arch in Munich. If you know Munich, the capital of Bavaria, then you also know the Siegestor. We're on the north side of Munich Old Town and wandering up the Ludwigstraße, heading out of town. On the Odeonsplatz, a royal town square where the Feldherrenhalle, the Field Marshal's Hall, still stands. There, concerts of classical music are held and there's generally a lot offered. It does have a bit of Italian flair even in the summer, if you squint. But seriously, it's a nice place. On the Ludwigstraße, uptown, past exclusive addresses. On the right is an impressive building, the Bayerische Staatsbibliothek or Bavarian State Library. Its facade are like that on the Ludwigs Church, its white towers just a few meters on, both designs of architect Friedrich Wilhelm von Gärtner. Remember this name, we'll get back to him. From here, you can't miss the Siegestor. Munich Arc de Triomphe is just a short walk, and we're there. It's quite impressive. Indeed. I lived in Zendling, right in the area, and I remember, let's see, it's right next to the English Hagaten, the Leopoldstraße, which begins right behind the Siegestor, and the Ludwigstraße. It's a nice, those are nice tree-lined boulevards with art, and right on the Ludwigs Maximilian University, where Peter Adamson from the History of Philosophy podcast works. You really know your way around. I guess it's good. I'll let you stick around after all. A real Münchner, hmm? So, is Travis a typical Bavarian name? Or why do you sound like you're from Texas when you speak German? I gotta ask, I'm not from Bavaria originally. Sie zweifeln meine Herkunft? Ich bin Bayer. Sure. Uh, no, I grew up in Munich, all right? From the ages of 4 to 19, I lived there off and on, altogether 10 years. But look, I'm wearing lederhosen. Doesn't that count? Of course, definitely. And first of all, servus, moin, and guten tag to the zero episode of Heirlooms of the History of Germany. This new series will focus on objects, well, and buildings in this case, that have a great story of the people behind them. Objects from German history, so it fits great with the show to give the content some variety and perhaps 
most importantly, have more content. I'm Judith and Travis, our real Münchner, you already know. The man with the most Bavarian name of all is Travis J. Dow. Travis, tell me, how do you know? What are you doing? <laughs> well, so I grew up in Munich. My, my family moved there when I was four. Uh, I lived near the Siegestor when I was 18 and 19. So leave me alone. Okay, go away. Travis just retired one German Joe about the U.S. And now he has more time to focus on the history of Germany. But now he has some help. Me. In fact, I do everything and I just poke Travis with a cattle prod when it's time to record. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but we also have something interesting to tell you today and therefore back to the Sigas tour. As an American, what do you think about Munich having something like that? Yeah, so that's that's an interesting question because uh, we're about to get into a, a lot of history of the Sigas tour, but um, the Siegestor is interesting in Munich because there's, you know, there's the same sort of building and a triumphal arch and Arc de Triomphe in Paris. And there's one in London. And of course, it means victory, like victory in war. But in Germany, uh, Germany has a complicated history. So, I mean, as an American in Munich, it was um, growing up, it slowly dawned on you the history of the city and the history of of that building too, the Siegestor. Um, I mean, we'll talk about it in a second, but it was rebuilt after the war. And the fact that a monument to a victory was rebuilt after a major defeat um, is fascinating. So that's, yeah, I mean, that's why this episode is so interesting, I think. If one, as we have now spent a long time here on the Ludwigstraße, one realizes everything looks very harmonious in terms of architecture, almost as if everything from the Feldherrenhalle to the Siegestor belonged together, and that is indeed the case. Therefore, we spool back to the Feldherrenhalle. The Feldherrenhalle, back on Odeonsplatz, it's one of the um, subway stations, it's a town square, you can, it's easy to get to right downtown. That's right. The Feldherrenhalle is right next to the Wittelsbacher residence, like the residence as in uh, where the, the royal family would live. So this was really um, one of the nicest part of towns in the ro royal sort of part of town. The Siegestor is dedicated to the Bavarian army of that time. So it does all kind of go together. Like in the style of northern Italy, like Florence, Logia de Lanzi was hired and the client was Ludwig I. His enthusiasm for architecture is still found around Munich's cityscape. He was the uncle, by the way, of Empress Sissi. Our, now, now we might have to explain who Empress Sissi is. In the German-speaking world, everybody knows this, but, the, um, but Elizabeth of Austria. And she's super famous in uh, those necks of the woods. But um, yeah, they, more importantly, I would say, was that there's also the same uh, Ludwig I which um, was the start or the founding of the Oktoberfest. This was his wedding with Princess Theresa of Sachse Hildeburghausen. Um, Oktoberfest is actually, or as the locals say, die Wiesen. Wiesen is actually just a, a wedding celebration, a wedding anniversary celebration every year. And it's called Wiesen because it's on the Theresienwiese, the Theresienfield, because uh, 
Teresa was the bride. Okay, so Wiesen, Therese, yeah, right. Anyways, so it's named after the wife of Ludwig I. Whoa, 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 slow. I know that we share the enthusiasm for a good beer, but if we continue like this, nobody will ever hear something about the Siegestour today. Let's make an extra episode about Oktoberfest and beer, and then we can also test extensive... Uh, sorry, uh, forget yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. uh, back to the actual topic. The Feldherrenhalle was built at the same time as the Siegestour. It is the conclusion of Ludwigstraße on the one side, while the Siegestour stands at the other end. Exactly one kilometer separates the two structures from each other. Yeah, so like it's a nice walk, a kilometer. Yeah. yeah. It's an important object of German history insofar as the Hitler-Ludendorff coup reached its bloody climax on November 9th, 1923. Hitler was shot. Even if the attempted coup could still be bloodily suppressed at that time, after the seizure of power, the Feldherrenhalle became an important point of reference for Nazi propaganda. Yeah, that's right. So um, I, I remember in the Feldherrenhalle, <laughs> in the basement, there's there's a... So the Feldherrenhalle, um, you know, it has a big statue on the front. There's lions. It's this really impressive building, basically, just opening up into a city square. Um, but if you walk around the side, there's a little... Well, there's one little plaque, uh, which is commemorating the policemen that were shot in that shootout in 1923 right next to that plaque there's a door and when i was uh i think my 19th birthday so when i was like yeah i think when i was 18 years old turning 19 uh in the basement of the feldherrenhalle there's actually a restaurant and it's like it's uh it's one of those medieval restaurants where they just give you a knife and just a loaf of bread and everything. You know, there's no forks, no spoons, and it's kind of German medieval entertainment, like singing and stuff. On the, And there's very strict rules because it's also Germany. So if, if you mess up one of the rules, you get uh, punished, like you made fun of like a jester. Anyways, so I had my birthday party there, and I saw that plaque for the policeman. And then later, I think now even in, if you go to the Wikipedia page for Feldherrenhalle or Odeonsplatz or something... Um, you'll see a plaque that used to hang there. And I didn't know that at the time, but later there was, uh, I saw a picture of a big plaque right on the side of the Feldherrenhalle commemorating the deaths of the Nazis that were, so the other people that were shot in that shootout. And on either side was uh, two people in uniform. I forget, uh, you know, like Hitler Youth or SS or uh, just soldiers, I, I don't remember. But two guards in uniform would guard the plaque and when you walked by, you had to give the Hitler a salute. And if you didn't give the Hitler salute, then, you know, they would arrest you and there would be questions. At the very least, it'd be a huge waste of time. Um, at worst, it could be quite a dangerous thing to, to walk by that, you know, you know Dillensplatz and not do that. So, yeah, really interesting history. If you look at pictures or um, if you read about that time, 1923, Hitler was just rising to power. It was the first year when he kind of even became the leader of the Nazi party, but they were still thugs in the street. Like if you look at um, the way they dressed and their cars and the way that they behaved um, through violence on the streets, it's exactly the same. It's even the same hat and the same dress as like Al Capone in um, South Chicago at the same time, 1923. So, you know, it's really, it's really weird, but they're shootouts with cops with automatic pistols and everything. Um, And only later, after Hitler was arrested, did he have this more formal uh, political um, 
plan. So this is, yeah, so it's just, there, there's a lot of history right there from Ludwig I to, uh, yeah, even the even the 20th century. But that's the Feldherrenhalle on the other side. Um, on the other side also has a piece that's related of from World War II and 20th century um, at the Siegestor itself. Yeah, back to the Siegestor. As I mentioned before, remember the name? The architect was Friedrich von Gärtner. He had the order, a triumphal arch modeled on the Arch of Constantine in Rome, as the conclusion of its boulevard, the Ludwig Street, to plan. Yeah, and so we come from Gardiner to Butcher. Butcher is interesting because uh, he was also an architect in Athens under Otto of Greece. Yeah, and I think it's an interesting fact. So first of all, you kind of it is kind of in the classic style that Italian uh, Romans, you know, neo-Romanesque style, but the. Um, that architect that went to Greece, that's, it's interesting because one of the Ludwig's sons, I guess, Otto, was became uh, the king of Greece, Otto, Otto of Greece. But he was a Wittelsbacher, so he was from Munich. And the place where I actually lived in Munich as a kid was called Ottobrunn, um, Otto's Well. That's the place where Otto said goodbye to his father on his way to Greece. So um, there you go. Anyways, uh, this this butcher then followed the king down to Greece and became an architect in, in Athens. Okay. The motives of the reliefs depict battle scenes that underline the strength and the will of the Bavarian army in the wars of revolution and liberation. The medallions, however, represent allegories of the former Bavarian regional districts. We have our lower and upper Bavaria, show Alpine cattle. We have um, Middle Franconia, craft and livestock, Lower Franconia with wine, cereals and shipping, the region Rheinpfalz, uh, which was a part of Bavaria in former times with wine and fishing, and, and Swabia, of course, with its weaving. Yeah, the, the, the parts that used to belong to Bavaria at that time. Yeah. Call, call a Rhein... Rheinländer of Bayer or Rheinland-Pfalz. <laughs> no, anyways, yeah, that's, uh, you yeah, formerly Bavaria. don't do that. <laughs> and on the top of the Siegestor, there are uh, lions instead of horses. Since 1214, the lions are the heraldic animal of the Wittelsbacher, part of the Bavarian state coat of arms. Yeah. It's also known that the Wittelsbacher kept living lions in various castles and fortresses. That's even one of their soccer teams. 1860, die Löwen. <laughs> yeah. They love lions. No, that's true. It's all over. Since 1491, a Löwenmeister is known as an employee in the Munich Old Court. In a, a Löwenmeister? What's that? Yeah. Like a, he, I, I mean, it's like a, it's a lion master, but I guess a lion tamer, lion caretaker. That's a cool job. Yeah, anyways, sorry. <laughs> Löwenmeister. Of course there's a word for it in German. I yeah. don't know if it would be my favorite job. Yours? Uh, no, maybe, probably not. <laughs> I look like food too much. I'm afraid me too. <laughs> in 1493, Hartmann Schädel reported in the Schädel World Chronicle of the birth of a young lion named after him. 
The animals are detectable for at least 250 years in Munich and were also used as valuable gifts of, uh, to some important people like uh, dukes. Mm -hmm. In 1551, two animals were given to the court of the elector in Heidelberg. 1580, a private lion's house was built at the Altenhof in, in the Burgstraße. And in 1614... <laughs> a lion got Augsburg a house... What? A yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. Like, I don't know, like in, in a zoo or something? I guess something? it says private house. Yeah, okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, why not? Uh, and in uh, 1614, an Augsburg patrician reported on a lion kept in the Altenhof. Uh, the last demonstrable lion master died in 1734 in Landshut Castle Trausnitz is a former Löwengraben obtained. Okay, that's uh, um, the lion's moat. Like, there's there's some castles in Czech Republic where they still have bears in the moat, so it's a bear moat. So, yeah, German Bavarian castles have lion lion moats. Yep, that's cool. They, they really did that. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but lions are normal for Bavaria. But what is unusual about this triumphal arch? Yeah, so what makes this... Um, arch special or different from the one in Paris or London or, and I think what makes this one interesting is that on one side it says the words uh, zum Frieden Monent like uh, a warning to be peaceful kind of admonishing uh, for peace. It's, it's kind of weird. Um, it, it, the whole thing says consecrated to victory destroyed by war and admonishing f for peace or you know warning for peace and that's the it's the zum frieden monent that caught my eye as a as a young teenager or a young man um that when you see the the as many buildings in Mur in munich or germany or around europe you can tell that they were destroyed and you can tell where the original was um and this is this was uh, renovated in a very specific way so you could also tell where it was destroyed and it has a much simpler facade on the new parts um, but it was rebuilt after the war and and it's weird why would you rebuild a triumphal arch which is to victory after a huge defeat in a war and i mean that's why it's it's now it's no longer a Siegestor, a victory arch it's an arch um commemorating war and kind of warning against war in the future. Yeah, so that makes it unique in the world. It has more meaning than, you know, the, the, the arch in London or the arch in Paris really just do stand for victory, of from the victory from Napoleon or victory of Napoleon. And now uh, the one in Munich has a second, it's a symbol for a second meaning, which is also don't do it again. Uh, better, better be peaceful. Yeah, it was it was bombed in the air raids on Munich in the Second World War. It was really badly damaged and it was uh, rebuilt in 1958 under the direction of Josef Wiedemann. And as you told, it uh, was deliberately simplified on the south side. Mm -hmm. The north uh, northern side of the of the arch uh, was built after historical yeah, plans. Yeah. In 1972, in the restored Quadriga, uh, steers a team with four lions are placed on the Victory Gate. So, I hope you liked the story of the Siegestor in Munich. 
we have some more of these heirlooms on the history of Germany in the works. So stay tuned for more soon. And if you do understand some German, in between you can also hear a super special extra episode of Heirloom in Ralph's Adventskalender in the Crosstalk uh, podcast. Our door is on the second Advent Sunday, 23rd of December. Um, we, no, we don't say what is hidden behind these doors. Listen to all of the numerous, uh, the Crosstalk podcast is always worth it. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I think we can say uh, goodbye for today. Evening, morning, whenever you have listened uh, to us. And until next time with Heirlooms of History of Germany. For Travis Dow, I'm Judith Strusenberg. <laughs> um, by the way, Travis, how's your Bavarian? Despacio. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the hocker needed over the hocker. That's the Stammtisch. No? <laughs> Hast du noch nie gehört? The hocker needed over nee. the hocker. That's the Stammtisch. Da hocken die, die da immer da hocken. Da hocker die, die da auch wieder hocker. Really? Come on now. Really? Yeah. You live in Ingolstadt. Right. So you that actually lives in Bavaria. I do not. Yes. <laughs> How's your Bavarian? Oh, worse than your German. Oh, all right. Well, it's not saying much. <laughs> uh, no, in fact, I don't speak any Bavarian. Not, not, not unless I'm actually listening to it. But I did have Bavarian teachers, so... Till next time, auf Wiedersehen. Or no, what do they say? Fiati? No, Servus. Wiederschauen. Auf Wiederhören. Wiederhören. Tschüss.
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.